1 Corinthians 15.57. You'll find it on the screen. And then we will, today is going to be a little bit more of kind of a Bible study, right? Uh, We are going through the series on victory over temptation, victory in the Christian life. And there are seven steps to victory. And last week, we covered cry out to God. Okay? And this is the most pivotal of all of the steps, the most important one. So this is going to be seven steps, but it's seven and A and B, right? So we're going to do cry out to God again, because really what we're talking about is prayer. Prayer is the easiest thing, but also sometimes the hardest thing and sometimes the most confusing thing about Christianity. Uh, Without prayer, there isn't Christianity. There's no connection to God without prayer. And so this is not going to be a let's teach everything about prayer that can ever be taught. We're just going to talk about crying out to God. We're going to look at several scriptures. So be ready with your Bible. And if it's a bit too much for you to keep turning the pages and finding it, that's fine. Just listen, right? It's fine. But if you're able to keep up as we go through and kind of look at some stories throughout the Bible where God did amazing things for desperate people simply because they cried out to him. I need that truth. We need that truth. And we desperately need that truth if we're going to have victory. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for an opportunity to worship you. Thank you for meeting with us in our worship. Thank you for coming down and speaking to us, opening up our spiritual senses and understanding to know that you're here, to know that you love us, to know that you've saved us. And God, there there very well may be one or two in the room or listening to the recording who have never yet place their faith and trust in you. Maybe they prayed to you and you've answered some prayers in their life, but they've never come to you knowing that they're a sinner deserving judgment, asking you to save them because of what Jesus did for them on the cross. Help that one or two or three people to do that very, very thing. Lord, we love you. Help us encourage us in this matter of prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. There's a story about a man named Peter Gregg. He was from the UK or from England. And he says this, I was stranded in Chicago. And by the way, if you've ever been to Chicago airport, you've been stranded in Chicago. Oh, pastor, I go to Chicago airport and it's never a problem. You haven't been there very often. Maybe once or twice. The story starts out. I was stranded in Chicago. All airplanes have been grounded by an eruption of an Icelandic volcano 
and I couldn't get home to England. I asked God how he wanted me, how he wanted me to use the interruption. Several American friends had already been kind enough to invite me to stay. But as I prayed, I found myself thinking about a particular friend who lived 150 miles west in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, I'm in Chicago. I emailed. Can I come crash on your couch? I didn't know that Joe, his friend that he emailed, had just received terrible news, nor that his worried wife had asked, who do you wish you had on your couch right now? Those had been her exact words, nor that he had replied, I wish Pete was on my couch, but I know that's crazy because he's in England and he's never even been to our home. A paraphrase of the prophet Malachi says that those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. Sometimes God listens to our casual conversations and receives them as prayers. Within hours of Joe's throwaway line, I had materialized on his couch. (laughs) Guys, look, if there's one thing that we know about our God, he loves to answer prayer. And how often and how reluctant we are sometimes to just ask. Every significant encounter with God includes prayer before, after, or during. God is the great communicator. He is desperate to get us to talk to him. When things get hard, talk to him. When things are good, talk to him. When things are slow, Talk to him. When things are so fast, you can hardly keep up. Talk to him. There is a popular Christian song nowadays called Talking to Jesus. And one line there talks about how the mother teaches the child to talk to Jesus. And a quote from the, uh, from the song says, one day the mother is speaking to the son. The son is very reluctant to go to church in the song. And oftentimes sons are like that, little boys. I don't want to go to church. It's boring, right? Some people say that. But the line in the song, the mother talking to the son says, one day you'll thank me for having God in your life. And then the song goes on to say, now I know my mama was right. (laughs) If you had a mother that taught you to pray, why don't we thank her this week? for being a praying mama. Why don't we thank God for the people he's put in our life that taught us to pray? We realize the millions of people in this world that pray to a God that never answers back. 
They pray before some idol. They pray before a saint. They count beads. They light candles. And they never get an answer. They never get an answer. One of the ways that we know our God is real is because he answers prayer. An atheist can choose not to believe and they can say it's a coincidence. But I'm telling you something, when God's people cry out to God and God answers their prayers specifically, powerfully, over and over and over and over and over again. Come on. It's not a coincidence. It's a person that loves us and he listens and he cares. Crying out to God is in the Lord's prayer. If we're going to get victory in this life, if we're going to go forward in faith, we are going to have to cry out to God. And crying out to God is in the Lord's prayer. It says Matthew 6 and verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Even in the Lord's prayer, it teaches us to pray for deliverance. Jesus cried out to God for strength. In his human body, his spirit, 100% God, his spirit was not created. He was the creator. When he was born uh, in, in, uh, in the story of the, the, the Virgin Mary, Jesus' spirit came from heaven and came into the little tiny fetus of the little tiny baby body there inside of the Virgin Mary's womb. His spirit was not created as yours and mine was. Our spirit was not, uh, did not exist before our birth, but that's not true about Jesus Christ. Amen. And yet he had a body and he humbled himself and became, uh, put himself and packed himself into a human body. And so though his spirit was 100% God, he actually had a body just like you and I. And he limited himself. And he showed us an example of what we ought to do. And he prayed. And there are many recorded instances of that in scripture. But in Hebrews 5, 7 through 8, it speaks of Jesus Christ and says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. This is Hebrews 5, 7, and 8, if you're trying to turn there. Let me start over. Hebrews 5, 7, and 8. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son. Notice the capital S there. Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Crying out to God, listen friends, crying out to God teaches us humility. Crying out to God teaches us obedience. Crying out to God teaches us to suffer in the prayer. It brings the suffering that we're dealing with and verbalizes that in a prayer that then allows, it's an, it's an outlet to God. So many people, listen, 
Do before you go on your social media and tell the whole world what you're feeling. Why don't we go to God and tell him what we're feeling? Amen, pastor. That's a good part right there. Preach on, friend. Okay, I'll do that. Amen. It's good. It's unbelievable to me how many Christians will just vent online. God's like, why don't you vent to me? God can help us with our problems. What are all the online people going to do but give us a thumbs up or thumbs down or a heart or whatever their little thing is? Usually it's some kind of comment that's not helpful. You, hey, usually it's some kind of comment that makes us suffer a bit more. Right? Isn't that true? And is it, 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 look, people say silly things and then when you're in the room with them the next time, it's like... Let's cry out to God for strength. Crying out to God teaches us obedience. Let's go to Exodus 2. We went to another passage in Exodus. We may look at that and pass through that once again. But let's, let's start at the beginning of the story. Exodus 2 and 23. Exodus 2 and 23. We're talking about crying out to God. Look, the... the Whenever we're talking about crying out to God, we're, we're seeing some emotion involved. Is that true? Okay. We're seeing honesty. We're not, sometimes people don't pray because they, they're afraid they're going to pray wrong. Like as if God wants us to use like fancy words. Right? Some people feel that way. Or maybe they've learned that from some in their past or something like that. Or they, maybe they hear someone pray in church and think, man, I can't pray like that. I just don't think I can pray. Crying out to God is just crying out to God. Here's my puppy story. Oliver is our three-month-old puppy, and he's about this big. He's tiny. Okay? And whenever my wife holds him, he's fine. He's totally fine. When I pick him up, he yelps. I didn't do nothing. Right? And everybody in the house is like, oh, why are you hurting the puppy? I'm not. I just, I, ha, ha, I'm innocent in all this. But who are they going to believe? The big guy or the tiny pup? They're going to believe the tiny puppy every time. I've got no chance. Right? But we know that when a dog gets hurt or he's feeling emotional or whatever. Right? What's he do? He cries out. It's not articulate. He's not even speaking English or French or Portuguese or whatever. He's not speaking a language. He's speaking puppy dog. We know what he means. And we're going to see here in Exodus 2, before the big deliverance from Egypt, God's people cried out. Exodus 2, 23, 2, It came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed. <sighs> sighed. That doesn't sound like an articulate prayer. 
God, you got to help us. They sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried. Well, pastor, does that mean like tears crying? Or does it mean like a puppy crying? Like, ah! like an emotional thing? Is it a verbal? Is it nonverbal? Yes, all of those things. Sighing, crying, their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. What does it mean? It means they were slaves. It means they, look, they were born into a situation where they didn't have a choice. They were born into a situation where they didn't have a choice. They were being persecuted. Am I telling the truth now? Is this a story? It's the story. Listen, sometimes there are things in our life we think that's just the way it is. It's not the way it is. Cry out to God. Stop trying to be patient about some painful things in life and start crying out to God that things change. These people were slaves for 430 years. Longer than Canada's been a country, longer than the United States has been a country, longer than Mexico's been a country in its current state, longer than many countries that we know have know of have been in existence in their current political structure. 430 years. At what point does it take for it to hurt so bad that we're finally willing to cry out to God? Be honest with God about your condition. We're tough. We think we're tough. I can take it. Hey, friend, quit taking it. Don't give up on prayer. Quit telling yourself, well, this is just the way it is. This is just the pain I have to live through. Nothing can change. For God to answer this prayer, a lot of things had to happen. God had to raise up Moses. Now think about, look, look, look. Think about, think about all that God did in answer to that prayer. Moses was born. Moses, all of the circumstances surrounded with Moses being raised in the palace. Then Moses messes up and goes out and lives in the wilderness for 40 years as a shepherd. Then he comes back and the 10 plagues, right? Then then, Then they're delivered. Then the Red Sea, right? And all, what? We can trace this all back, friends, to a prayer. A prayer. Well, you don't know this person in my life. But God, look, God changed Pharaoh. He changed Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh didn't allow his heart to be changed, but God, meaning when he changed Pharaoh, he removed Pharaoh as a part of the equation. And God can do that in answer to our prayers. Oftentimes we think this is too big of a problem. The pain is too big. Pharaoh's too big. There's a Red Sea. We're slaves. We don't have any money. There's too many of us. We don't have a leader. Why don't we take all that to God in prayer? Why don't we start crying out to God? Crying out to God. 
God came to Abraham, who was 75 years old, and told him, you're going to have a son with your wife, who was 65, 10 years apart. And right before they actually had this son, Abraham was 100, just before 199, and God came and visited him. And he said, you're going to have a son. And Sarah, who by now was 89 years old, she's overhearing the conversation. What does she do? She laughs. <laughs> That's a good one. God, you're such a joker. There are some things in our life that we think, you know what? There, it's, this is a joke. It's a joke to think that could change. And God comes back to Sarah and says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there something that we've told ourselves that's just too hard? God can't do that. I'll pray about, I'll pray about the things that God could do, but I'm not going to pray about the things he can't do because he can't do that. Man, I'm guilty of that. Aren't we guilty of that? I'm so convicted right now. Please don't think when I'm standing up here that I'm this expert and I get all my prayers answered and I'm this giant, uh, this giant of the faith. Uh-uh, this is so convicting to me. I would rather it not come out of my mouth, but you guys just kind of get it somehow. But God says, no, you're the servant. You got to say this stuff. I'm like, but God, I've got to hear myself say it. God's like, well, you need, you need to hear it, right? We need to hear this. If we're not careful, we will start putting all of the things in our life in two categories. The stuff we believe God can do and the stuff God just can't do that. Ouch. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Has God ever looked at a prayer request and said, that's too big? It may not be his will, and that's different. He may know that in answering that prayer, it would be harmful. And it would be wrong. But he's never looked at a prayer request and said, I can't do that. The God that spoke the world that we see into existence never looks at a prayer request of ours, a person in our life, a situation that we're in, a pain that we're dealing with, or in line with our theme, or a temptation that we're dealing with, and saying, I can't do that. I don't have a tool in my tool bag for that one. Cry out to God. Be honest about your condition. Be honest about your circumstances. Be honest with how you feel. One of my pet peeves as a pastor, if I can be so honest, We'll go to the therapist and say, this is how I feel. Help me change my feelings. But we don't do that for God. Realize God can help us with the, the way that we feel about things. Is that true or not? Amen. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. It's a medical condition. It's amazing how many medical conditions God's cured in the pages of scripture. And yet somehow we think that those related to mental health, he can't cure. Is that true or not? Yeah, God's bigger than that. He can do it. What's the problem? Well, the problem is not that he's not big enough. The problem is we're not crying out to the Lord. 
We want to be dainty with it. We want, we, we want to be convenient about it. God bless our food and help me with that painful thing. Amen. That doesn't sound like a cry. That doesn't sound like a cry. Crying out to God. We, we went over this last week. Exodus 14.10. This is when they go over the Red Sea. Exodus 14.10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so afraid. That, that's perfectly normal. Look, fear is not an absence of, uh, sorry, faith is not an absence of fear. If you're following the Lord, he will lead you into situations that are scary. He will. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Psalm 23. Know what it says? He leads us through it. If we follow God, I'll never be afraid ever again. That scripture doesn't teach that. He gives us the power and the courage and the strength to face the fear and to go through. Notice what he says here. It says, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. We have got to stop believing our fear more than we believe God. We believe our fear, but we don't believe God. Cry out to the Lord. Don't let your fear stop you from crying out to the Lord. They were trapped, but God knew and he saw and God had a plan. Friend, can I tell you, God has a plan. Amen, pastor. That's good preaching right there. Boy, I needed that. Praise God. Preach on. Okay, I'll do it. And I know you guys are in agreement. I'm just having a little fun. God has a plan. It may not be your plan. Oftentimes it's not your plan. Quit praying for your plan. Okay, again, let's put ourselves in the in the in, in let's, let's put ourselves in this particular situation with children of Israel. Here come they they just got released. They're dressed in rags, whatever slaves wore back three or four thousand years ago, whatever they wore. Right? They're they're not ready to fight. They've never been trained in warfare. Okay. They're running for their lives. They're following Moses, and Moses leads them into a trap. By the way. Sometimes when you follow the leader, it seems like he's leading you into a trap. It's not on purpose. We have got to get back where we trust the leaders God puts in our life. Leaders aren't perfect. They never, they're not supposed to be. God's perfect. Oftentimes we'll look at the humanity of a leader and we'll say, look at all the mistakes. Look at his imperfections. Look at the bad choices. Yeah, but look at God. God has used imperfect leaders, the the only perfect leader that ever walked the face of this earth was Jesus Christ. And they crucified him. They didn't even believe him. His disciples forsook him and fled. 
Moses, we were free for like 30 minutes. What's your problem? You led us right to the edge of the Red Sea. What is wrong with you? Can you imagine the Facebook posts? Can you imagine the Facebook lives? Oh my word. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this, but Moses, he's right there. Let us look where we are. Showing him the, can you imagine? All of Moses' followers online. He had three million because they were excited. But now he's down to like, you know, his wife or something. Amen. If we're not careful, when we're following God, we'll look to the leader as if he's supposed to lead us to victory. God's going to lead us to victory. Amen. So they're stuck. What are we going to do? Well, we're just going to sit here and wait for him to kill us. Really? That was their choice. Or we could pray. Guys, should we pray about this? We should pray about this. They prayed about it. Notice verse 13, Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. We have to understand that sometimes praying is laziness. There's a point at which the prayer's been answered. God's shown you the plan. It's time for us to go forward. It's time for us to actually do the thing. God told them here, quit praying about this and go. They went forward crying unto God. When we cry to God, we need to expect for God to show us the plan to go forward. Look, look, listen, 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 listen. Crying out to God, praying to God did not magically make all of the Egyptians disappear. Right? Sometimes we think, well, when I pray and cry out to God, he is going to make my temptation just poof, go away. Can he do that? Yes, he can. Just like he would go up to someone in the the ministry of Jesus or Paul and they would touch the illness and the illness would be gone. Yes, he can. But most of the time in our Christian life, he is using whatever we need to pray about. Finances, relationships, frustrations, mental health family problems, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. He's using that situation to show you a path forward. Jesus, show me the steps. Give me the guidance. Sometimes we give up on prayer because we think, well, he's not removing this problem. It's not one of these bibbity bobbity wheat. Look, Jesus is not the fairy godmother in all the Disney movies. Are we okay? God help us. 
And we expect him to bibbity bobbity boo and boink. I mean, even then, at midnight, she turned he she, the whole pumpkin thing and the rags and it didn't work out for Cinderella either. <sighs> okay. Crying out to God reveals the path forward. The waters didn't part until they cried out to God. Okay, we'll look at a few verses in the New Testament and then we'll be done. John 15, 7. Just a few prayer promises to encourage us to cry out to God. John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If ye abide in me. This is talking about walking in the spirit. This is about talking about walking in obedience. Okay? We can't be living in sin and doing the wrong thing and walking the wrong path and pray and expect for God to answer our prayer. Is that true? We have to be abiding in Christ. We have to be, as much as we know how, as much as we know what is right, we have to be doing, with God's help, we have to be doing the right thing. We can't have a bad attitude. We can't be making bad choices. We can't be doing what we want to do. He says, look, if you abide in me, he's saying, right? Because this is talking about the vine and the branches. Fruit. We all love fruit. What does it come from? Well, it comes from either a tree or a vine or something like that. And that has to go into the ground. But it, it has to come from that, that branch. It, fruit doesn't, it doesn't produce itself. It has to be connected to something. Now, we've got to understand that in the world's wisdom nowadays, if, again, if you look for advice on Instagram or the cute little one-liners that come up, so much garbage on there. So much garbage. Well, if God really loved you, everything would work out. Really? That's not true at all. God really does love us. He gave us his son to die on the cross for us. And he's given us prayer and a path forward. Amen. Amen. He's given us a relationship. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Pastor, why, why do I have to read my Bible? Well, so that you can get your prayers answered. God's word guides our prayers so that we pray the right thing. Right? Not the right words and, oh, I've got to find Bible words to pray. No, no. So that it guides our heart so that we pray for the right thing. We all know when we get on our GPS and try to go someplace, if we don't have the correct address, we're not going to get there. Is that true? So when we read God's word, we have to be willing for God to guide our desires and our wishes and our heart so that when we pray, our prayers are answered. Next, James 4 and 2. We have two more passages and then we'll be done. James 4 and 2. James 4 and 2. James. Hebrews James. It's in the back. In the back, Hebrews, James, 
First and second Peter. All the way back there. Okay, Hebrews, James, James 4 and verse 2. Notice in verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that were in your members. Um, then he goes into verse 2. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not. Because ye ask not. Hey, why don't we quit demanding something from another person? Start praying about it. How much conflict and relationships would be solved if we chose to pray about something instead of demanding it from our spouse, partner, friend, relationship, boss? I deserve that promotion. Well, maybe not with that attitude. Why don't we start praying about that instead of fighting everybody for it? Oh, you're going to do that? Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go online and I'm going to give you a bad review. Do we even care about reviews anymore? Some people do. Fight and war, kill, desire to have. Again, I'm always trying to contrast what the world's advice would be. The world is not going to say, hey, why don't you go pray about that? Of course not. They're going to say, don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't have exactly what you want. Right? The infinite <clears throat> wisdom of whatever you find online. Hmm? This is why marriages split up. Fighting for what you want is selfishness. How about we pray about it? Why don't we pray about it? Well, because God will probably tell us, yeah, that's, you shouldn't be praying about that. That's not, that's not a good desire. We don't bring it to God because we don't want to be corrected. Or we don't think he can do it. Everything I have, I've gotten for myself. Now, a Christian should never say those words. They shouldn't be true of a Christian. Everything we have should be because God's graciously given it to me whether I've prayed for it or not, but many things in answer to prayer. You have not because you ask not. Last one, 1 John 5, 14. 1 John 5, 14, 15. Now we're going to back up to verse 12 because 14 and 15 are talking about praying. But before we get to praying, we need to make sure that we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's what these previous verses talk about. It says in verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Number one, do you know for sure that you're saved? 
Do you have Jesus Christ as your savior? Do you have that confidence? Do you have that assurance? I can't tell you that. It's really Jesus himself in your heart that tells you, yeah, you've done that. You have to know for sure that you're a sinner. There can't be any doubt about that. I'm a sinner and I'm accountable for my thoughts, my words, my actions. I will be held accountable one day for everything that I've done. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, everybody will be held accountable. But Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. Instead of you standing accountable to God one day at the end of your life, he said, let me take their place. Let me pay for all of the sins so that they're not held accountable. Let me be accountable for their sin. And that's what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. He rose again from the dead, proving that his sacrificial death, taking your place and my place on the cross, that our sins have been fully paid for. And he rose from the dead, showing us that if we put our simple faith and trust in, from our heart into him, we just trust him. And we ask him to save us, trusting only in what Jesus did on the cross for us, that he will take us to heaven. His resurrection is proof of that. As he has risen from the dead, so he will raise up every one of us into heaven that have believed on him. If you know for sure that you're saved, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, anything, not just the easy things, not the things we believe, but if we ask anything and it's according to his will, it, it's what he wants for us, then he hears us. And we know if he hears us, then we will have the things that we've asked of him. We have to be willing to cry out to God and ask him, not only for help in the temptation, but ask him for those things that he wants for our life so that we can live the life that he wants us to live. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.